we got into this business to be teachers, to teach these young men how to be better, better people, better ballplayers, better brothers, better husbands down the road. What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is Jonathan Gellner, and thank you for joining us today. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Clay Van Hook, assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma. Clay recently joined the staff at OU, so we discuss how he builds relationships with his players and what they focused on this fall. Clay played for Augie Garrido and won a national championship at Texas and also coached with legend Wayne Graham at Rice. So we also discuss what commonalities Coach Garrido and Coach Graham share. So here is Coach Clay Van Hook. Coach Van Hook, thank you for joining us today. Awesome. Great to great to be on the show. It's uh it's obviously we're getting getting into the new year, so it's it's an exciting time to as baseball season is, is just around the corner. So uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it is, and, and thank you for joining us over the holiday break. And for our listeners, can you give us a short snapshot of your career, why you got into coaching, and talk to us a little bit about that? So grew up born in Houston, Texas. I grew up in, in Brenham, Texas. My my father, a longtime baseball guy, got the uh, head head coaching job at Blinn Junior College. So we made the the move from Houston to Brenham. Went to Brenham High School under head coach Jim Long. After after high school, went and played uh, one year of junior college baseball at, at Navarro Junior College with Skip Johnson. From there, made my my way over to to Austin, Texas. Played under uh, Coach Augie Greedo for three years. Uh, after that, had the opportunity to uh, get my degree, stay there at the University of Texas with Coach Greedo and, and that staff, and obviously Skip was on that staff, Tommy Harmon, and uh, was was able to uh, be a student coach for a, for a year while I was getting my degree. Uh, very fortunate after I graduated to um, get a get an assistance job at McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana, under head coach Terry Burroughs. Gave me an opportunity as a as a young 23-year-old guy just wanted to coach baseball. And I was there for three years. After my third year there, went to uh, Rice University under head coach Wayne Graham. Was there for six years. First year, I was the volunteer assistant. The next five, I was uh, the, the hitting coach. Uh, eventually moved into the recruiting coordinator spot. And uh, now going into my first year at the University of Oklahoma under head coach Skip Johnson. And uh, we'll be mainly involved with the hitters, uh, be the recruiting coordinator, help help coordinate the all those aspects. Work with the infielders and, and coach third on on uh, on game days. And you know, it's really kind of a, a funny question that, that I always get is, you know, how'd you get into coaching? Why'd you get into coaching? I'm I'm actually sitting here in my office, and a couple of years ago, my dad had given me a uh, a little deal that he had framed together. It's got four pictures on it. One of them was, uh, for me being a bat boy when my dad was an assistant coach at San Jack. He actually was, was, uh, the assistant for Coach Graham at San Jack for two years in 89 and 90. And they won two national championships. So there's a picture of me in a, in a San Jacinto, uh, uniform. And then there's a picture of me in a Blumbuck uniform when they went to the World Series. And, and there's a, I guess when I was seven, I, I mean, heck, I don't remember this, but I, I guess there was like a, a career day. At our school, and so it's dated November thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. It says in my career, it says when I grew up, I want to be a baseball coach, and it and it kind of goes into I wanted to coach third base and do camps and clinics. So I guess that if there's anything that could 
give the, the people out there an indication of what I wanted to do with my career. Well, I guess I knew when I was seven years old. I, I just didn't, I didn't know anything else. My dad was a baseball guy. I'd, I'd grown up kind of a baseball rat. I was around the field all the time. Just loved the game of baseball. Wanted to be around it. Wanted to do whatever I could to stay in the game. And, and the rest is kind of history. That's awesome. You know, while most kids are dreaming about being Mike Trout or Major League Baseball players, you're dreaming about coaching third base and running camps and clinics. You know, and obviously everybody has those aspirations, but I think it's it's one of the things that obviously my dad, my dad's my best friend, my dad's my my role model, my my mentor. He's you know he's he was my everything, and that's that's what he did. So I, you know you know most kids are you kind of fall into the same line of work that your parents do, and that's exactly what our family did. Heck, I became a coach. My my sister's a, a grad assistant softball coach, and my other sister's a teacher, like my mom. So we we kind of took after the. The family, the family genes, I guess, but uh, I obviously had aspirations to play professional baseball, but the, the talent, the tools did not dictate that that was going to happen. You know, just, just did whatever I could to, to learn, to, to do what I could to stay in this game as long as possible. And, and coaching was, was kind of my, my forte. And hopefully it's going to be my, my career for the years to come. Well, that's awesome. And you've had some outstanding influences in your career. You mentioned your dad. But you also mentioned Coach Garrido and Coach Graham. Can you tell us, you know, just give us a little something that you learned from both of those guys? So Coach Garrido obviously is, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in, in all of college baseball. You look at the wins, you look at the national championships. I think I think one thing that is unique about both of them is is they are very similar, yet they, they have their obviously their differences. But I think what what you learn from both of those guys is they did some things at schools that I don't think a lot of people could have done. Obviously, what what Coach Greedo did at Cal State Fullerton, what Coach Graham did at, at Rice, are probably the best coaching jobs, obviously in college baseball, but in in the coaching profession. I mean, they were able to, you know, Coach Greedo is able to take a a school with with limitations financially and take them to to places that they probably didn't see themselves going coach Graham took a you know took an academic school and and won a national championship there so um but I think the the thing that you take from both of them is is they have a a way of of getting across their their points their their coaches that just love to teach and I think that's sometimes what we get away from as coaches is that we we got into this business to be teachers to teach these young men how to be better Better people, better ball players, um, better brothers, brother, better husbands down the road, stuff like that. And I think they do an excellent job of, of preparing you for that. And I think their, their will to win is, is second to none. I, I haven't met two, two individuals who, who are more dedicated to the little things that will win college baseball games as, as those two guys. And I think they have a very unique way of, of getting their points across and and allowing the players to naturally develop their skills in the way that's needed to to win the games and I think I think the biggest thing too for them and what I've learned from both of them is is they go into not how to win the game but how to be successful how to develop yourself because if you can do that the the wins will will come but if you're if your focus is on that end result for them, it's it's a counterproductive way of teaching. If your if your whole goal is on the the end game, the result, it's 
It's about the processes and the routines that go in to winning those ball games. You are entering your first year at Oklahoma, and you, you've kind of switched colors. You went from burnt orange, you know, in your playing career to crimson and cream now. So what does it mean for you guys to be an Oklahoma Sooner, and what do you guys look for? What do you guys stress? And, and you know, on the recruiting trail, what are you guys trying to pay attention to? Yeah, well, let, let's just say I, I did get some uh, some pretty interesting text messages I bet, from, I bet from, a lot, from a lot of former former teammates and and some buddies. But no, it's you know for me it was it was a no brainer. I think when you look at a at a program like the University of Oklahoma, the the history, the tradition, I, I think it goes it goes deeper than baseball. I think it goes deeper than sports. I think you have to. I think until you've been around it, until you've lived it, and obviously I'm I'm very new to it, but I I think what what I've learned is there's there's a lot of support from a lot of different people, and it's not just from a sports aspect. I think it's being at the University of Oklahoma is almost a way of life. There's expectations, there's traditions, there's pressures, there's commitments, there's there's so many so many things that are involved. And, and it's in all phases. It's in academics. It's socially. It's athletically. It's on the field. It's in the classroom. It's in the community. I think the, the people that are here are as dedicated of a fan base as I've ever seen. I mean, you, you go around town. It's, it's crimson and there's nothing else. That's, that's a very unique thing to, to see and to, to be able to see that support. It's very contagious, you know, to be able to see how many people are involved. What this means to so many people. I mean, you've got generations of families who have grown up putting on that, that crimson, you know, for, for Friday night baseball games, for Saturday football games, for basketball games, you know, all, all the sports, softball, volleyball. I mean, it, it, it's a lot deeper than, than just what you see on TV. I think to, to get a true sense, you have to come just, just be around the, the town, be around the city and to, to see that. And for, for us, for, for our players, I think we have to, I think we have to make them aware of that. You know, we've, we've brought back a, a lot of former alumni. Coach Seymour has come back and talked to the team a, a couple of times. So I think giving our, our players knowledge on, on what this truly means to a lot of people and it, and it goes way beyond winning. Um, it goes into their traditions, how you carry yourself, um, putting forth the best effort because there's been guys that have been here before our players and, and that have laid the groundwork. They've laid the, the foundation of what this whole thing is all about, what this university, what this program means. And so I think for our players, making them aware of it. And I think from a recruiting aspect is making sure that we have individuals that have the qualities that are going to make them successful here and to have guys that are going to buy into, yes, you're here from, from my standpoint, you're here to play baseball, but it, it's a lot deeper than that. We want guys that are going to involve themselves, that are going to absorb themselves into what being an Oklahoma Sooner means. And I think that's, you have to look at those qualities in recruiting. You know, it's, it's very easy for us to, to go evaluate tools. That's, that's not hard. I can, you know, stopwatch, uh, radar gun. It, it's, it's really those other qualities that are going to make them, number one, make them successful here. That's going to help them develop here, but also they're going to enjoy their time here. You know, the qualities of, of a guy that's hardworking, who's going to be accountable, who, 
has a maturity level um, to do what he needs to do on and off the field. A guy who's respectful to to the people who have laid the groundwork here in the foundation. You know, thing those qualities I think are go way beyond anything else that we could possibly try to identify when when we're recruiting. Because if we can get obviously guys with some tools and some talent, but you have those other qualities, I think that that's what we owe it to all the people, all the generations before us that have come to to OU baseball, football, volleyball, all the all the sporting events, but but also we're gonna be people who when they get done with their time here, they're gonna, you know, go to different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and they're going to still be able to identify as an Oklahoma Sooner. So that's kind of a deep way of, <laughs> of looking at it, but I, I think I think that's something that you that you have to do when you're Obviously, in the in the first year in a program, and obviously me being, you know, I've only been a uh, here in Norman since about July, but it's, I tell you, it's it's a it's a special place, and you can see right away how how really 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 special this this place is. I love it. That's awesome. It reaches, like you said, it, you want to reach kids on a deeper level than just baseball, and you want them to identify with the program. And I I, th- I don't think there's a better way to put that. But let's switch gears a little bit and let's hop into our player development section. So talk to us about what you guys do in the fall. Do you guys have a, you know, a player development program in place or is it just each guy is, is, is teaching what he wants to teach and, or, or how does, how does all of that work? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, what we try to do first and foremost is, is to let our, our players understand that we're, we're baseball coaches first. Obviously, you know, we, we have our different titles, but, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a collective, it's a collective unit between the coaching staff, the players, the support staff. Everybody that is involved is going to have a say. And that's, that's coming from our head coach, Skip Johnson. That's, that's the vision that he has for, for his program, for, for the direction that we're going to try to go. So I think the first thing that we try to do is before we can let and show our players how much we know, we got to let them know how much we care. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about the relationships. You know, we, we try to get these guys how to learn how to play the game of baseball while also taking the, the end game and, and the winning aspect out of it. So I would say from a, you know, in a typical week, I would say we have three objectives. Number one, we're going to try to work individually. We're going to try to each night, every morning, we're going to try to look at, at each individual player and try to figure out what is, what is his, strengths what are what are the things that he's doing well what are his growth opportunities what are some things that that we need to work on obviously you've got some guys who who come in with more strengths um, than others and, and you try to identify those what are the things that this guy does well what are the things that that he could you know obviously grow from and and i think that's what you have to do first and foremost i think that's what's unique about baseball is you've got a you've got a group of individuals who have to play the game as a team with that same token, you don't want to just group a bunch of people in together because each player has their, their individual needs, their individual goals, their, their, their individual growth. So, so what you try to do is you try to, to pinpoint those. So I would say probably every, every day, if not every other day, we'll, we'll, we'll do some individual work from a, from a defensive aspect, from an offensive standpoint, um, obviously from a pitching standpoint, try to, get these guys locked into what they need to do individually to help the team 
aspect when we get into that. So obviously first objective, you know, work with the individual. Second objective is, is we're going to work collectively. We're going to, going to get into, to more of a, of a team skills aspect, allow the players to, to become a little bit more familiar with each other, get into more communication, strategy, positioning, game simulations, things like that to, to allow them to, to kind of get themselves prepared for the actual game. So I think it's almost a buildup when you work individually, get their, their mechanics in order a little bit, then you start to work collectively to where they're working together, see if the mechanics break down. So after you work individually, you work collectively, then you work competitively. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you really see where guys are at because you start to add the, the different stressors that are involved. What we try to do when we work competitively is we try to make it as, as stressful as we can. So when we get into the actual art of playing the game, the game seems slower because we've practiced so competitively and, and at such a high pace. So what we do for that is every day we'll, we'll do either an inner squad if, if our pitching is, is rotated that day or we'll do a, an actual tempo game. Uh, a lot of guys have different names for it. Coach's game, uh, a simulated game where you have a, you know, a guy throwing BP or off the machine or, or whatnot. But we call it tempo game because we're trying to add an element of stress. We're trying to add some, some tempo to it to where guys are getting, you know, their, their hearts are racing. They're, you know, they're a little bit tired. They're, they're getting a little bit outside of themselves. So when they get into the game, they go, man, the, the game is really slow right now. Well, we practice at such a high pace that the game tends to slow down because what typically happens is guys get into a game and the game speeds up on them. So what are we doing as, as coaches to help them slow the game down? And a lot of times we, we preach that, we teach that, but we don't ever put it into action. So that. when you, when you can add elements of whether it's, uh, you know, practicing at different parts of the day, practicing into the evening, practicing in hot weather, cold weather, wind blowing out, wind blowing in. What we'll do too is a lot of times in our tempo games, we'll add different situations. You know, hey, this inning is going to begin with second, third, you know, one out. This, this inning is going to begin with bases loaded with no outs. This inning is going to begin with nobody on, uh, and one out, you know, trying to get them a little bit uncomfortable, keep them a little on their toes a little bit where you're adding different types of game situations. But what I've learned from, from obviously from Coach Greedo, from Coach Graham and, and from Coach Johnson is, is you can't get away from the hole. You have to put in the time with, with the young men individually. You have to get your, obviously your work in from a team aspect, but then you have to, you have to make sense of the competition. You have to, to put these guys into positions where when they get into the game, it, it, it just totally slows down on them. You know, but a lot of times, like I said, we, 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 we get on these guys. Hey, you got to slow the game down. Well, what are we doing to prepare them for that? And right. I think the more you can do that, the better prepared they're going to be. And, and, and you can only do so much. Uh, you know, there's only so much that you can do to prepare them. All you're trying to do is give them as, as close of a, of a game sense because there's no way to replicate 10,000 people in the stands. There's no way to replicate, you know, playing. Oklahoma State or the University of Texas or, you know, all the schools that are, that are in the Big 12. There's no way to replicate what that heart's going to do. So all we can do is try to, try to get them into the closest position that we can. So hopefully by the time they get into those high stress situations, they're able to stick to their routine, stick to their processes, stick to their relaxation 
techniques and they're able to really, really slow the game down and to be able to stay within themselves. I love that. And you've got me curious. Is there any other things besides a tempo game that, that really allows you to do all of those things? I like the tempo game because there's so many different ways that you can do it. Um, like I said, you can mix in so many situations. You can have a guy throwing BP. You can have a, a machine out there. You could actually have a, a fungo hitter do it. Um, because I, I think one thing that we get away from is, and as coaches, you know, I think with showcase baseball, you see a lot where, where kids just assume if they, if they run fast, they, they hit it far and they throw it hard. That, that, that means that, that that's going to, you know, equal success in college baseball and professional baseball. So I think what we try to do is we try to put them into as many game situations as we can. So for us, that's, that's just playing the game of baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's how I learned. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm only 32, but I still remember going into the backyard and, uh, you know, playing stickball or, or whatever, you know, and, and you don't see a lot of that nowadays. Um, you know, but, but that's the age and the time that we live in. So what we have to do is we have to, almost speed the development process up by by just allowing the guys to to naturally learn hey just go play the game now as coaches is our job to point out hey in this situation why did you do this in this situation why did you do that it's it's our job to point those things out but i think a lot of it's trial by error there's no there's no way to replicate experience and and a lot of times just you know from from my playing career i learned just from playing the game i learned from my mistakes and so that's why playing the tempo, playing the inner squad game. And, and like I said, we do that every single day. When you think about it, you've got a, a 35-man roster. You would say probably a little over half of those guys are pitchers. I mean, you're probably going to have an inner squad two, three times a week. You have a have a tempo game two, three times a week. You got your day off mixed in there. These guys are going to be playing some sort of competitive game every day. And like I said, all we're trying to do is we're trying to give these guys experiences. It's trial and error. Guys are gonna are gonna get make mistakes, and we hope that those mistakes will be made in the tempo game. So, number one, we can identify. Number two, we can learn and absorb the information, so that hopefully the next time that it happens, we're able to make the adjustment or or understand what we did wrong right there, and and the players can make the adjustments themselves, where we're not always having to point it out. And that's where you start to build instincts. You start to you start to build the uh, the experience that's that's needed to play this game. So. There's different ways you can do it to kind of get away from the monotony a little bit. You could, you know, put in different situations, split the teams up. One day you have a VP thrower. One day you have a machine. You know, one day you have a squad game. There's just so many different ways that you can do it to, to kind of keep it fresh and to keep the guys engaged a little bit. I gotcha. And I love that. Anything we can add to our practices that, that simulates game like situations is always good. Now it mentions that on your on your bio on the OU website that you are the creator of the offensive game planning. What can you tell us what that looks like? What I try to do, and this is what's unique about my situation right now, coming from you know obviously I was at a school for six years, being at a school where I've 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 barely been here six months. It's kind of a unique time right now because I'm still trying to figure out. We as a collective group are trying to figure out. Number one, what is our player personnel? Because a lot of times your offensive game plan is going to be dictated, number one, first and foremost, around your 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 identity as a team, the each individual identity of, of your players. What are their skill sets? What are the things that they do well? So what we've done this fall is is basically spent 
the last couple months on identifying what what are the strengths of, of certain individuals. And then from from that aspect, when we get into the spring, we're gonna have to figure out what is our what is our identity? What are the things that we are going to try to do? And then from there the offensive game plan is going to be dictated around who we're going to be facing that day. There's so much that is involved from scouting reports, from video, from tendencies and all that. Uh, we're trying to figure out what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses of, of who we're going up against that day? Is the strength in the starting pitching, is it in the bullpen? Um, is it in their bridge guys? <laughs> we could talk about offensive game planning for, <laughs> sure. for hours because right. there's so many different aspects of it. I would say the, the biggest thing that, that we are going to try to do is we're going to try to find our identity first because we don't really want to change who we are as a collective group, but there are aspects that are put into the equation that might have to change what type of baseball we're going to play for that day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, wind blowing in, wind blowing out, the environment, the, the, the pitching, the field, the, you know, the, the conditions. There's so many different things. Uh, what does the other team do well? You know, I mean, there's, uh, so many, so many different avenues that you could take that. But I would say what you have to do is, is you have to find the identity of who each individual is going to be. So what we've done too is we've tried to get our players to, to actually identify and classify who they are. And from a hitting aspect, you know, what type of hitter are you? Are you a contact guy, a guy that's, that's, you know, more high on base percentage, walks, more runs scored? Are you a gap guy who's, you know, a little bit better average, RBIs, doubles? Are you a power guy, higher slugging percentage, home runs, RBIs, stuff like that? Getting our guys to identify who they are, um, I think is very important. That's what we try to do with each individual, I think, this fall. I think the other thing is giving each and every one of our hitters the the necessary skills in order to play whatever type of game we have to play for that day. There's going to be days where, hey, we're going to have to bang it around the park a little bit. Mm-hmm. There might be a time when, when you, you have to lay a bun down, uh, situational hitting, hit and run, you know, giving each guy the, the skills I think is important. Now, I think understanding who they are. I mean, if you've got a guy who's a Who's a, if he projects for, for 15 to 20 home runs at the college level, it's pretty good. How many times is he really going to have to bunt? <laughs> I would hope not too many, sure. but, but giving those guys the skills to do whatever is needed to win the game for that day, I think is very important. But while also not getting away of, Hey, understand who you are, what, who you need to be, what, what is your, what is your job as a, as an offensive player? So I guess to, to kind of, sum it up for me what's the most important thing is 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 having each individual identify who they are what type of offensive player are they and then from there once we can do that individually then it's about the lineup for that day because there's so many different personalities there's so many different identities there might be a day where you know we put you know four or five left-handed hitters who are more contact and gap guys you know there might be a day we're facing a left-handed pitcher and we've got you know three or four right-handed uh, six, three, 215, 20 pound guys where there might not be as much hit and run and steal that, you know, there, there's going to be some guys that project for a little bit more power. So I think you're kind of seeing that, that there's so many different aspects to the offensive game plan. Depends on your identity. It depends on the lineup for that day. It depends on the environment, the conditions. It depends on who you're going up against. 
So that's <laughs> in a nutshell, that's, that's what we, what we try to do. And it's, and it's very, it's very in depth, but that's the fun in it. You right. know, that's, that's, that's where, you know, when you can totally absorb yourself into that and say, you know, some people might say, man, that's a lot. Well, that's, that's what we got into this, this business to do that. That's, that's the fun stuff. That's where you get to, when you get to see a, a guy who finds out who he is and he's comfortable in himself and, and he gets to make those decisions. It's not us as the coaches. Our job is to point out, Hey, this is probably, you know, who you're going to be and, uh, and all that. But to see them buy into it, to see them, you know, be who they are to make the necessary adjustments to see them make the changes that that's where the fun in it is. That's great. And it sounds like you guys are really trying hard to be well-rounded at everything. Yes, you have to. I mean, because there's, there's, there's just so, number one, college baseball is such a, is such a unique, it's such a unique game because there's, there's just so many ways that you can win a ball game. And, and there's so many, there's so many different ways. There's, there's so many good coaches, so many good teams that, I think you, you owe it to your players to, to give them those skills, you know, because at the end of the day, you don't want to sit there and you got a chance to go to Omaha. And if getting a bunt down will help you get there, but you don't have a guy who has those necessary skills, is it, is it really on the player? Or is it, or is it on yourself for not mm-hmm. giving him those skills? So all you can do is point them in the right direction, let them understand who they are, but. Say, hey, if, if there's a time when you got to get a bunt down, or there's a time where, where we've got a runner on third and less than two outs, and and the infield's back, and it means that we get to go to a, to the postseason or to the World Series or to to win the whole thing, you're going to have those necessary capabilities to be able to do that. And I think it's our job as coaches to be able to to pinpoint these are the things that are going to win at this level, and we're here to to develop these guys to prepare them for the next level as well. So I, I think it will it will help them for their development, not only at the college game, but at the next level. I think that's one thing we're trying to do is, is to give these guys a, a more of a professional approach where, hey, you just have to have the skills needed to, to be a successful offensive player because guys that can handle the bat, guys that can, that can be a good offensive player, not just a good hitter, are guys that, that play the game for a long time. Definitely, and and I love that approach. And you mentioned earlier that you are new to the program. Skip has been there for a couple of years, but you also mentioned that Coach Overcash was a new assistant as well. So in the fall, did you guys do any team or leadership building to kind of get to know the kids and help the kids get to know each other? I, I think it was, I think it was more uh, leadership and building for the for me and Coach Overcash <laughs> with the team because you know. Uh, a lot of times it's, I mean, these kids know each other. We've got a great group of kids. And I think, and like I said before, I think what we had to do was me, more me and Coach Overcash, but even with Coach Johnson, you know, because Skip hadn't been here that long, but allowing these these young men to be become comfortable with us, to, to find our personalities, to be able to feel a comfort level for us that they can call us, text us, come into our office whenever they want. I think at times... You know, as coaches, we want to, we want to, you know, kind of build that wall and, and, and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're the coaches and you're the players and that's how it's going to be. Well, Hey, we're, we're all in this together. I would hope that what we're doing here is going to build relationships and friendships for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. That would, that would be my goal. So, but to get that back to my original point is, is I can't begin to let these guys understand how much I know 
before and let them know how much I care, mm-hmm. you know? So, so until I do that, and I think that was big for, for me and the, and the, obviously the whole coaching staff for, was for us to build a, a relationship with these players. And, and once, once we, because this was their team, me and coach Overcast are actually the new guys. Obviously you've got new freshmen, but we're, we're guys that are coming into a, to a very, very successful program, you know? So, so the last thing that we want to do is to, is to screw something up because we've got, you know, these egos and, mm-hmm. and think that we know it all. I'm actually learning from the players. I'm, our goal was to try to figure out what's, what are the strengths of this team? What are the personalities? What, who are the guys that gel and mesh together? What, what do we need to do to, to make this 2018 team uh, a successful one? You know, and, and for us, we are going to build our team in the clubhouse, on the field, and then the dugout. That's, that's where we're going to build our team. You know, it's going to be the interactions with each other, the, the laughter, the, the yelling, the hugging, the crying, the, you know, the, all the, all the different aspects that go into a, a, a season. And it's, and that's, that's the fun in it. That's the joy in it where you can be a part of something that's, that's bigger than yourself. So I guess for us, I, I think it was unique that this fall was, was really more of a, more of a relationship builder, uh, between the, the team, uh, between myself and, and all that. Because like I said, you've got some, you know, some new guys and, and, uh, and, and what we tried to do was to let these guys know that, Hey, we're, we're here for you. We want to, we want you guys to be successful and we're going to, we're going to allow you to do the things that have made you successful. Our job is to point some things out and get them a comfort level with the new staff and, and all that. And it was a, it was a great fall. I think we had enjoyed it. You know, kept up with the guys over the break and they kept up with me. So I think when you see that, you start to see the rapport has been built and, and that's going to lead you into the season. And I love that answer. And so again, switching gears a little bit, you are the director of the team's offense. You're the infield coach and I'm sure you have a ton to deal with in recruiting. So what are some of your favorite things to measure? The unique thing about about trying to, to measure certain, certain things is, is you don't try to measure too much. What I mean by that is, is, you know, we, we get infatuated at times on, you know, on the radar gun and, and, and on the, on the stopwatch and, and all that. So from our team aspect, the thing I'm looking for most is, is putting forth a, a good effort. I'm looking for to, to see the qualities. I'm looking for work ethic. I'm looking for guys that are, that are busting their butt, that are guys that are showing up early, guys that are staying late. Those are the things that that I'm looking for because it's my job to point it out. And and eventually what what the whole goal of this would be is for the players to be able to kind of coach themselves a little bit. Because what these guys I'm sure a lot of them some would understand it, but what they can't understand is 10 years from now, looking back at the relationships you'll build each season, the stories that you come up with, the, the bonds that you make, the, the experiences that you have. And to have those experiences fall by the wayside because guys weren't putting forth the best effort because uh, guys had a, a selfish attitude or, or whatever. And, and to me, the successful teams are the teams that are able to kind of be able to handle that within themselves. Back in 05, when I was at Texas, we won a national championship and, and we had a, a, a group of guys that, that were able to, to monitor each other. If a guy wouldn't put forth an effort, you, you were pretty much guaranteed somebody was going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. 
And I think what you try to do is you try to allow guys to be who they are. I don't think you try to make guys into vocal leaders if they're not vocal leaders. Some guys, you know, are a little bit quiet, but they let their, their actions do the talking. Some guys let their actions do the talking, but they're very eloquent in the way they talk. They're, they're very good at, at, uh, uh, getting their points across verbally. So I think it's about, you know, allowing these guys to be who they are. And, and so what we try to do as coaches is to, point out when we see not only uh, uh, what we feel like is a poor effort, but what we feel like is a good effort. So so the team can start to, to, to measure for themselves, hey, this is the type of effort that we need. And, and, and what we try to do is, is allow these guys to understand, hey, we've been around a lot of baseball. We've had some success doing it. So these are the experiences we have. So the more we can point it out, and it's and it's not always about yelling and screaming. It's it's making guys aware. I think that's where we we fall behind at times. Is you know and 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 we all fall into it. You know you feel like you gotta you gotta jump on a guy, but I think it's making guys aware because sometimes these players don't know what a good effort is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these guys have been so talented and and whatnot that they they haven't had to put together the effort needed in order to reach their maximum potential. So I think. First and foremost, you have to make them aware of it. So from our team aspect, I would say that's the biggest thing I try to try to measure. And it's and it's kind of the same in recruiting because I, I don't want to say it's easy, but probably the quickest thing that you can see is a is a player with some talents and tools. I mean, obviously, you put a stopwatch in a guy, you can see a guy who's a good runner. Uh, you can put a radar gun up. You can see a guy that, that has some arm strength. You can go into BP and see a guy that, that's got some strength in his bat. But you, you try to measure all those other intangibles because, I mean, the game of baseball has taken off so much where, you know, a 90-mile-an-hour arm is, is just another guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, I hate to say that, but it, it, you're seeing so many guys with so much talent because there's so much specialization in the, in the sport. So for us, is what, what are those separators? What's, what's going to separate that 90-mile-an-hour 90 mile an hour arm from that 90 mile an hour arm. What's going to separate that 6'5 runner from that 6'5 runner? What's, well, it's all the other, almost the things that you can't really measure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how, sure. how can you really measure a work ethic? How can you really measure a, uh, a guy who's, who's, who's coachable? How can you really measure a guy who's, who's going to be able to, to put in the proper sleep habits, nutrition habits, stuff like that? So, so I think what you do is, is you try to measure the unmeasurables. Mm. You try to, you know, do your research. You're going to talk to the high school coach. You're going to talk to the select coach. You're going to talk to parents. You're going to talk to his peers. You're going to talk to people who are involved with him. Is he respected? Does he work hard? Does he have a, uh, an attitude that's, that's going to help him in his development? And, and like I said, it's, it's really more to figure out, are they going to be able to get into the way, or what I call the sooner way? What's going to help them be successful here? Because to get back what we talked about earlier, those those are the things that are important. Are we bringing in individuals that are that are number one do their do their family justice? Are they going to uh, perform for the for the uh, the name on the front of the jersey for the name on the back of the jersey? Are they going to be the type of people that that the University of Oklahoma is going to be proud to call Sooners? And mm-hmm. so those are the things. Because like I said, I I, I hate to say that it's easy. To measure talent, but I mean, you can you can see it pretty quick if you've been around the game for a while. So 
So for us, it's the, it's the, all the other intangibles that you try to see because that's, those are the separators. That's great. I love that answer. So let's go ahead and skip forward to the spring. I know you haven't been through a spring at Oklahoma yet, but I'm guessing you have a lot of experience with springs. But how do we get the most out of spring when we're competing? And that's our main priority. But time is also somewhat limited. So do you have any time savers or things we should do, things we shouldn't do to get the most out of the time that we have? You need to spend as much time as you can from August to January. Because <laughs> once you get into the spring, it's it's very – if you're having to make a, a serious overhaul in the spring – then what did you do in the in the previous months to prepare yourself for that? Because once we get to the spring, you're banking on you've made the the necessary mechanical adjustments, you've built the muscle memory in to to do that. Now, are there tweaks? Are there are there different things we do? Absolutely. I mean, guys are guys are going good. Guys are slumping. You're going to make little minor tweaks here and there. But what we try to do is we're and we kind of talked about it with our like in a, in a typical day, in a typical week, what we try to do, we're trying to build muscle memory. We're trying to build mechanics that will not break down when the spring hits. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, 10,000 people in the stands, you're facing a 95 mile an hour arm. He's got a good breaker. He's got a, he's got command of all the pitches. There's different stressors. Your, your girlfriend's in the stands. Your, 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 uh, your parents are in the stands. You got friends. You're going back home or whatever. When, when those things start to happen, are your mechanics going to be able to, to get through the different stressors that happen during a game when it's bottom of the ninth and two outs and, and, and you gotta, gotta work a, a full count and you gotta get a clutch hit? Are your mechanics going to break down or are they going to endure? And so what we try to do is we try to put as much time as we can and before that, that, that first date in February, when we get going, we're trying to build that muscle memory. So then when we get into the spring, minor tweaks here and there. We're able to focus on not only ourselves. I mean, we still put focus on ourselves, but we have built up routines. We've built up uh, different aspects of, of, of what we do for that day, not only from a, from a hitting aspect, a defensive aspect, but, but our mental routines, uh, making sure our breathing is in order, making sure we have a place to go to when when we feel our heart racing and, and we feel like the, the game is getting a little outside of ourselves. Um, so, so we try to do that all prior to the spring. So then when we get to the spring, it, it's, it's almost like when you're lifting weights, you, you're not trying to get stronger as the season goes, you're trying to maintain. And so all we're trying to do is making sure our guys aren't going to break down. They've, they, they're going to stick with the, with the muscle memory that they've built up for the months and the, and the reps leading up to it. Um, so that when we get into the spring, you're going to spend time understanding what the pitcher is trying to do to you. You're going to spend time on video. You're going to spend some time on scout reports. And then you're going to spend time on your own personal routines, your own personal uh, thought processes for that day as we go. Because uh, to be honest, as, as you get going, I mean, you're playing four and five games a week. You're going to have a mandatory day off. You've got travel days. You've got academics. You've got just life in general. I mean, there's a lot of stresses that are that are built up throughout throughout a season. So if there if there is a thing that that I would try to do, there's there's a lot of time in the cage. There's a lot of individual time on making sure guys are sticking with their plans, um, sticking with what has made them successful. And I think it's more of a of a from a mentality standpoint than a physicality standpoint. 
once you've hit February, you've, you've pretty much locked in your swing in for that time. Now, I don't want to say that there's not little minor changes that can't be made because they can. It's, it's just that you would, you would hope that, Hey, you're locked in. So we can, we can work more on the, the mental side of the game on, on keeping you, keeping your mind fresh, uh, working on your sleep habits, stuff like that. So, um, I guess I really didn't answer the question because I said you need to put more of your time into the, but, but that's, I mean, that's what we told our guys. I mean, uh-huh. our guys have a, they have a six week off season right now. You know, from, from the last day that the NCAA allowed us to work with them until the first day that the NCAA allows us to, to get them back. That's, that's six weeks of time that, that, that they have on their own to, to, to build up to, to where they need to be. That's an important time. And so, because when you get in the spring, like I said, there's just the last thing you want to have to worry about is mechanics because there's so many other things to worry about. You're worried about that guy you're going up against. You're worried about, you know, your, your classwork stuff. You got travel. You're, you not be able to get some sleep and, and all that. So as, as, as much of the stress as you can take out prior to the spring beginning, I think would be, would be very important. I love that. And I love that answer. A common theme on all of the guests that, that I've had the opportunity to interview is, is they're learning constantly. So what's the latest thing learned that you're really excited about? I would say that winning the game does not define me. Mm, um, when you get into, when you get into coaching, I would think most, and I, and this is just me speaking personally, but I didn't get into coaching to win baseball games. That's not what I got into. The hardest thing for us as coaches is is to understand that in reality, are we defined by our wins? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what, you know, all the greats that have graced us um, in, the, in the coaching community, they've all been winners. But I think it's important to understand what exactly have they done that has made them successful. And I think once you can take the result out of the equation, I think that's when you really start to see yourself grow, not only as a coach, but as a person. And you get to see your your team and the individuals involved in it. You get to see them grow as well, because if you're so consumed on the results and whatever it is, if if our team is worried about the the, the end result, the the win, if our if our hitters are worried about their batting average, if if the pitchers are worried about uh, their ERA, if if your better players are worried about the the draft, um, if your recruits are worried about you know their uh, if they're worried about scholarships, you can't control any of those things. The only thing that you can control is is what you do to prepare yourself to have success. And so I think once we can get our young players, um, these young men, to to get involved into that, because that's where the that's where the fun is. Mm-hmm. The fun is is to be able to say, "Look, I I struggled uh, at this point. I turned it around and and I became successful. Or I wasn't as strong in this aspect of my game, but I turned it into a a strength. My growth was there. Uh, you know, stuff like that is that's where the the fun and all of it is. You know, so do I want to win baseball games? Absolutely. That, we're all competitors, but I think when we can separate winning and being successful and to get more involved into what it is that makes these coaches or makes these teams or make these players successful. I think once we start getting into that, then you really, then you really hit on something. And, and not to say that I've learned that recently, but I think it's evolved over time. You know, I, 
I would take losses really hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, what, what, what am I doing? And I'm, and I'm so consumed about the loss or I'm so consumed about the win that I forget to, Hey, I've got, I've got 30 to 35 guys in that clubhouse that are, that are just looking to get better. And they, all these young men want to win, you know, but what are we doing as coaches? What are we doing as teachers to prepare them for that? And there's so many different aspects of that. There's, you know, you, you got to talk about, you know, your mental routines. You got to talk about work ethic. You're trying to get mechanics involved. You got to go over team strategy. I mean, there's so many different things that are involved with it. But if we can get them involved into that process and take all of the end results out, I think you're going to see that, that the player is going to enjoy his process a little bit more. You'll see his development. You'll see his potential start to, start to maximize because you, you can't control the W. I mean, how many times have, have you seen a pitcher made a good pitch and a, and a guy hit it out? Or how many times have you, have you, uh, seen a ball take a bad hop? I mean, you can't, you can't control a lot of these things, but the more we can involve ourselves into the process, I think is, is, is vital, not only for, for success, but just for the development of the, of these young individuals. What are your favorite resources? I would say the, the telephone, um, <laughs> is a really good one. You know, uh, I'm not a big book guy. I, I, I do read articles. Um, you know, I've, I've always used, um, reading as a way to, to kind of clear my head a little bit. Um, I'm a big fiction guy, uh, big Stephen King and stuff like that. I, I like to, to, to read books that kind of expand my mind a little bit and, and, and all that. But I would say it's constantly talking to people who have been around this game. I think that's, that's one thing that's, that's very cool about this coaching staff is, is you've got Coach Johnson, Coach Overcash, myself. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of relationships that have been built over, over the years. And there's so many different guys who, whether it's in college baseball or professional baseball, I think the greatest resource is, is, is when we reach out and, and have the actual dialogue with each other. And to me, that's our greatest resource where you sit down and, and, uh, and have a sandwich and, and, and talk for an hour about baseball. Like this morning, we, we've, we've been on the, uh, on the, on the podcast for over an hour now, just talking mm-hmm. baseball. Heck, we could probably do it for another couple hours. That's you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's, that's the fun in it. Uh, for me, I, I think when we can get all those resources out in the open and, and having a, a healthy conversation, you know, where, where we're talking baseball, are there disagreements or there differences? Absolutely. That's, that's anything that you talk about. I mean, you talk politics, sports, you know, whatever. There's always going to be differences and, and guys have different avenues and, and what they're trying to do. But having healthy conversations and expanding your mind a little bit, if you're not willing to grow, how are you going to succeed in this game? Um, talking about the game, trying to learn, I think, is, is the most beneficial resource that you can have. Absolutely. I can attest to that. Being on the podcast and being able to interview great guests as yourself has, has definitely expanded my, my knowledge and, and then just my inner circle of guys I can ask. So I'm, I'm completely bought in with that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, that's where the fun of it is. I mean, that's, I think we, we all enjoy just talking, learning, um, developing our minds a little bit to where we can say, you know what? I took a little bit of piece of, of what this guy said, and, th- and then we kind of formulate our own opinions, mm-hmm. and they're constantly evolving. You know, is like I said, there's no truce in this game. You know, are, are there are there things that 
that guys have done for years and years that made them successful. Absolutely. But there's different ways to, to, to get to that, to get to that spot, to get to that point. I think the more conversations that we have, I think it, it just helps, it helps to get the confusion out to a lot of these kids. Cause a lot of the stuff that, that people are doing on baseball, we're all trying to reach the same goal 99% of the time. It's just some sometimes we have different ways of, of going about it. And so that's where those conversations are good. So there's less, there's less confusion for the, for this young generation. I think there's a lot of confusion out there because people don't want to talk and they don't want to say, Hey, you know what? I think we're saying about the same thing. We just have a different verbiage. Our terminology is a little bit different, you know? So the greatest resource to have is, is to, to get out there and just talk it. Got it. I love it. So uh, one more thing before we get into your contact information, uh, I'm a high school coach. And there's a lot of high school coaches that are listeners, a lot of junior college coaches that are listeners. And being a Division One coach, what's something that you wish the kids coming into your program knew how to do or knew how to do better so you wouldn't have to teach it or reteach it? I would say to be able to handle the adversity in the game of baseball, and that's a very hard thing to 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 coach because more times than not when you get into high school you get into to college heck you even get into pro ball a lot of these a lot of these kids have had a lot of success and we are playing a game of failure and when you're successful at three out of ten times and that means you're having a good year that's that's a very unique game <laughs> right and so what I see a lot of is, is, is you see guys that come in and, and especially at our level is, is they come in and sometimes they get their, they get their butt handed to them a little bit. And I'm like, well, heck, you're 17 years old. You're coming into a good program. You're facing good pitching day in and day out. Good pitchers are, are facing good hitters. I think if, if, if we could get, and I kind of hit on it before, if we could get the end result out of and, and get away from the batting average and the, and the and the wins and the ERA and the and the scouts and even us college recruiters like they need to be able to control what they can and and understand how to handle the failures of baseball and we say it all the time but are we actually teaching it are we actually promoting it are we actually letting these young men know that it's okay to fail because how else are we going to grow and learn from this game and you are playing a game that is that is dictated on failures. I think getting these guys prepared for that, because like I said, a lot of showcase baseball has has taken taken away the failures out of it. You know, it's it's you run fast, you hit far, you throw hard. That that's going to guarantee success. Well, yeah, that might be true, but in order to have success, you got to be able to handle the failures as well. And I think having the open dialogue and and letting them know that you are going to fail in this game. It's it's just in the percentages that it's going to happen. But the great ones are the ones that are able to handle it. Each each step up you make, it's going to be a little bit tougher. It's going to be a little bit tougher. But if you can stick with your process, your routine of what you're trying to do, it, it's just going to uh, be able to help you be able to handle those adversities a little bit better. Well, Coach Van Hook, thank you so much for being with us today. If any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, uh, how would they do that? Yeah, so I've uh, I got a Twitter handle. It's Clay Van Hook at Coach Van Hook on Twitter. I don't do anything else, <laughs> so Twitter is my 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 lone uh, social media uh, outlet. Um, you could probably email me 
It's cvanhook at ou.edu is my is my email, and and those would be the two best ways to get in touch. And and uh, I'm an I'm an open book. There's there's an open dialogue, and and uh, anything that that anybody ever needs, if they just want to talk baseball or or shoot the breeze or whatever, I think that would uh that would uh, obviously be something I'd be, be definitely interested in. Awesome. So, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Continue to grow. This is a this is a, a, a awesome game that we that we're able to be associated with. I think uh, it's something that we need to to hold very near and dear to our hearts because baseball allows us to to teach not only how to play this special game, but it it helps these young men to grow and develop into being better citizens, better better brothers, better sons. And all those good things. I think it's a it's a very unique opportunity that we have, and I think that we need to to be thankful and blessed that that we're able to to have these conversations, to to have this forum, to be able to be associated with this great game. And and if 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 you continue to grow and you continue to 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 do that, I think you're you're going to see the the rewards will will, will be endless. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I hope you enjoyed the show and got something from our outstanding guest. If you're wanting to listen to past shows and get alerts for new ones, Ahead of the Curve is now available on the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association app, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please consider writing a review or rating the show so other coaches can find and stay ahead of the curve.